Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 102, verses 1 through 17. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is stricken and withered like grass. I am too wasted to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I'm like an owl of the wilderness, like a little owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I'm like a lonely bird on the housetop. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink. Because of your indignation and anger. For you have lifted me up and thrown me aside. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. Your name endures to all generations. You will rise up and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to favor it. The appointed time has come. For your servants hold its stones dear and have pity on its dust. The nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord will build up Zion. He will build up He will appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and will not despise their prayer. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt, prepared for battle. And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from here. They set out from Succoth and camped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in the front of the people. Acts chapter 7, verses 17 through 40. But as the time drew near for the fulfillment of the promise that God had made to Abraham, Our people in Egypt increased and multiplied until another king who had not known Joseph ruled over Egypt. He dealt craftily with our race and forced our ancestors to abandon their infants so that they would die. At this time Moses was born and he was beautiful before God. For three months he was brought up in his father's house. And when he was abandoned, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. 
So Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his relatives, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his kinfolk would understand that God, through him, was rescuing them, but they did not understand. The next day he came to some of them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When he heard this, Moses fled and became a resident alien in the land of Midian. There he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he approached to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the mistreatment of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to rescue them. Come now, I will send you to Egypt. It was this Moses whom they rejected when they said, Who made you a ruler and a judge? And whom God now sent as both a ruler and liberator through the angel who appeared to them in the bush. He led them out, having performed wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up a prophet for you from your own people, as he raised me up. He is the one who was said, who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him in Mount Sinai, and with our ancestors, and he received living oracles to give us. Our ancestors were unwilling to obey him. Instead, they pushed him aside, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make gods for us who will lead the way for us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Monday of Eastertide. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from, I think, the Grand View Courtyard by Marriott in Columbus, Ohio. And I will only be saying that, I think, two more times, thank God. Um, This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 102, Exodus 13, and a long reading from Acts 7. Um, Very quickly, um, as I mentioned on Thursday, sorry for skipping Friday, um, I am traveling uh, out of town. Uh, I'll be in Columbus, Ohio for another couple of days, and then I believe I'll be relocating um, uh, on a, uh, a kind of deployment to decontaminate personal protective equipment, specifically the N95 mask, um, or N95 masks uh, sent from hospitals around America to a nonprofit called Battelle, uh, who has something called the critical care decontamination system. And what I'll be doing is I'll be one of uh, about 12 members of a team that uh, 24-7 is going to be receiving N95 masks 
decontaminating them with vaporized hydrogen peroxide and then sending them back to hospitals um, as a way of easing the, uh, the shortage of N95 masks and other PPE. Um, I've, uh, I've done so in, uh, in consideration of uh, the pandemic, but uh, in conversation with my partner, Laura, um, they, so I'm, I'm apart for that, from them until early June, um, and that's not going to be easy, but um, as members of the military know, sacrifice is a part of life. I think it's a part of a healthy life. I think if you don't sacrifice anything, uh, you're missing something. Romans 5 talks about how sacrifice, um, including sacrifices like suffering, um, uh, build character and, and um, make us the kind of people that God wants us to be. A sacrifice is the cornerstone of our faith. Without sacrifice, um, Christ would not have, well, God would not have been born of a woman. Uh, the Son would not have been um, uh, crucified for our sins. Um, I, I don't even think that God would have created us had it not been for sacrifice. Uh, I think that God creating beings with free will is a kind of forfeiture of God's power and autonomy. Um, God has a want for us to be in communion with God um, and to make creatures that are capable of doing that, they must also be capable of not doing that. Um, and um, we, we see people making decisions, good decisions and bad decisions, from before the pandemic began and, and still. Um, shortly before I flew, um, I, I, I didn't broadcast on Friday just because it was hectic, um, but a number of states began easing their lockdowns. And for weeks, I'd been reading about airlines that you know, had five, six, ten people on an on a entire airplane. And social distancing was not a problem. And when I flew on Saturday, um, it was basically a full flight. And I wasn't expecting that. I, I didn't bring uh, enough, um, uh, enough equipment to kind of take the proper precautions. Everybody... Most everybody wore a mask, but um, I mean, social distancing was absolutely impossible. I had seatmates right next to me the whole flight, and I think everybody else did. Um, and I, t <laughs> I was almost kicked off the flight for voicing my concern over that decision on Twitter. Um, and uh, the the very fact that this work is necessary of decontaminating masks at a mass scale reflects decisions that um, are not just in supplying masks, but also um, making sure that healthcare workers and other people who are doing the work that's necessary for a pandemic, they're not being properly uh, equipped, adequately equipped. Um, and I say this because it's a reminder of the duality of, 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 human will and, and humanity itself. Um, one thing that I learned as a soldier was that being human means that you're capable, fully capable 
of incredible acts of charity, but also horrible acts of evil at once. Um, many people, many veterans I've spoken to, um, I have not had the burden of ever having to look down my weapon with my finger on the trigger and making the decision to pull the trigger. Um, I have looked down my weapon at people, but I, I, I've, I didn't fire. I didn't have the reason to fire. Uh, but many people had had that decision, had to make that decision. And they describe um, often, not all, uh, but they describe this confusing mixture of simultaneous elation and shame all at once. Elation for um, having um, taken action to save their life and the lives of their friends, um, uh, making sure they came home to their families, but also shame, knowing that they had just taken human life and not knowing all of the context behind it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, none of this is particularly based on the readings this morning, um, but I won't be broadcasting uh, from my typical location, and I also have to rearrange some of my habits to to kind of get in the the, the mindset that I'm used to for recording these. Um, but... Uh, it should be a couple of days I'll be here in Ohio, and then wherever I am on this uh, you know, deployment, pseudo-deployment, I'll have a little bit more stability. I'll be there for three weeks, and then I'll be done. I can, I'll come home, uh, return to my family, um, and kind of see how the pandemic is faring. Um, the, uh, the, the nonprofit that I'm employed by, contracted with, um, the uh, uh, managers or whatever have said that they, in working with the government, they have uh, a planning horizon that goes through September. They are planning on having these positions uh, in need of being filled through September. This is May right now. Um, June, July, August. Four months. Um, the The easing of stay-at-home orders reflects a desire or a hope or maybe an expectation that the, pande- the worst of the pandemic is, is over, that we can loosen the reins a bit and let people go back to what they think is normal life. Um, if you remember several weeks ago when this began, I said, and I still believe, that if we do it right, it will feel like nothing has happened. If we do it wrong, we won't know for several weeks. And I think we're at that point now. Um, it worries me that um, several states are relaxing the restrictions. The federal administration in, in power right now is encouraging that, despite formal guidelines that remain in place. Um, and I encourage my listeners to remain vigilant, um, to... Um, uh, stay safe at home as much as possible. Um, I know I haven't had a haircut and I'm not about to have my partner do it as I learned in the military. Wives cutting your hair is just rarely a good decision, but sometimes it's the only decision you have, so I shouldn't feel too bad. Um, but if the military taught me one thing, it was it's to be pragmatic and realistic. Um, we saw a downturn 
and cases and deaths because we were social distancing. The states that are seem to be making wise decisions are saying, we need to see that go on for at least two weeks, and then we phase in certain um, uh, measures that ease restrictions. Um, and that gives me hope that there are still some governors, some states that are um, acting with wisdom uh, and not uh, not acting out of out of hope, false hope, or um, I don't know political or economic interests. Um, the economy won't improve if um, cases and deaths skyrocket again. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Um, anyway, that wasn't anything about the readings, um, but I hope that, um, in a few days, once I get to somewhere where I'll have a little bit more, um, uh, regularity, I may be able to return to, um, focusing much more, um, uh, restrictively on the, the readings, um, but I did want to make sure I read and reflected for this morning heading into the week um, as we, um, I think we have one more week before the Ascension and then shortly after that we'll have Pentecost but in the meantime we are still at Eastertide um, and we are um, asked and expected to um, uh, be in a liturgical space of joy and um, jubilation um, even if in the middle of the pandemic that may look different um, than had we were we not in a pandemic. Um, but I do encourage everyone to remember that we're not out of uh, the storm yet, that um, <clears throat> uh, to not act in, in haste or desperation or um, cling to hope that is fleeting. Um, I hope that we can see our moment clearly and um, with um, without you know you know peering through like a like a mirror or glass dimly. Uh, we know we know how this virus operates. There's no question, um, and there should be um, knowledge and wisdom. And uh, in, in how we continue to um, to respond, uh, rather than try and lead the virus where we want it to go, um, the virus uh, will set the timetable for when when we ease up. And I'm I fear that we haven't reached that time yet, even though we all really wish that we that we had. for the President of the United States and all in civil authority from the Book of Common Prayer. O Lord, our Governor, whose glory is in all the world, we commend this nation to your merciful care, that, being guided by your providence, we may dwell secure in your peace. Grant to the President of the United States, the Governor of this land, and to all in authority wisdom and strength to know and do your will. Fill them with the love of truth and righteousness 
and make them ever mindful of their calling to serve this people in your fear. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with the recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. <laughs>